0: What's good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. It is Tuesday, June 29th. Today will be a sports episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Leave a like, leave a review. In addition, I post episodes every week to our Facebook page at Geeks Who Watch Football. You can also tweet at me. I am at MadTitan1018 on Twitter. I'm going to be bringing on Paul in just a few minutes to talk uh, some of the things. For Thank you once again to those of you who participated in the poll this week, which was which NFL coach is on the hot seat. We're going to be on to discuss that later today. But I'm going to be getting more involvement in more, po- uh, well, more podcasts for sure, but also more polls, more interaction just to get the community more involved in this. Uh, so thank you to those who are participating and following along. Speaking of following along, I did post an update this past week. Uh, we are going to be taking a two week hiatus from the Loki series. Um, we have some of the crew taking vacations, some having stuff done. Just want to, it wouldn't feel right not having the full trio. I think part of it, what makes that group special is having all three of us. So having only two of us do it or having me bring somebody else on or doing it myself, just wouldn't feel the same. I don't mind running the ship solo for sports and video games because that's how this started out. But for that type of situation, I feel like I made a decision that we were gonna re, you know, revisit this once everyone was, you know, back. So we are gonna take a two week hiatus from Loki. It'll be just before the series finale, so we'll be able to cover all the episodes up until then, and then give a series review in the next episode. So today, as I said, was a sports episode. I'm gonna be bringing Paul on. This upcoming Thursday, I will be having Garrett join me. We are going to be reviewing the last game in the Sly Cooper series, Sly 4 Thieves in Time. As of right now, like I said, no episodes this on the weekends. We're just going to be going with sports video games, sports video games. So thank you once again to everyone for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy. And back joining me once again, the Bills fan who left Western New York, Mr. Paul Thompson. How are you doing, Paul? Very good, very good. Don't say left. You went, you went to greener pastures. I don't blame you.
1: Definitely greener. Uh, summer is full summer down here in South Carolina, and everything's out and blooming and growing. And uh, the corn's already uh,
0: up to my head. Jesus, yeah, we've been having a dry spill up here. I keep saying rain, and we haven't had crap. So it's like everything's dead. It's hot, like too. It, it was like ninety today. So it's been a really bar- That's 85. we We've been cooler. You should come down here and visit. I would, except I got a camping trip coming up this next week, and I'm going to be – so you're going to see me roasting my ass out on the Thousand Islands.
1: Yeah. Actually, last time I went to the Thousand Islands, it was the last time New York had a drought about five years ago. And I, her, her that, that and it was bone dry. Jesus. Out there She's... on the island, yeah. But –
0: no, it feels good to have you back on though. Cause the last couple I've been going solo and I'm like, it's kind of been the dry spell, no pun intended. Uh, that's a transition, right. Going from dry to, uh, for NFL news really. Cause it's been kind of the same stories. I refuse to talk about the Sean Watson until they reach a verdict. I'm like, I'm not talking about it. Um, and I figured, cause I released the poll, uh, I did a poll on the Facebook page the other day of which coach do you think is on the hot seat? I know they talked about it on Pro Football Talk. I know they've talked about it on ESPN and on Disputed and all of them. So I figured that would be a uh, a good starting point for us. If you would like, what well, talk is-
1: about what team has never won a Super Bowl that could win a Super Bowl this year? There's only about two teams. I remember reading
0: that article. I clicked off that in about two seconds. I I, I accidentally clicked on it. Oh yeah, as a Bills fan, you guys had it. The the three that stick out to me when they did that question were the Browns, the Bills, and the Lions. I know they mentioned the Falcons, but what not- the Lions the Lions are
1: gonna be crud this year. They're, you know. No, you they're the talking about- making the playoffs this
0: year. No, they're talking about teams that w- what it would mean for a team to win its first Super Bowl.
1: Oh, I read the other one that what team is built this year to win the Super Bowl? And I'm like, it's literally the inside track is the Bills. Outside track is the Browns, and nobody else is going to get mentioned. If if yeah. someone is, is making the case for the Jaguars, Lions, uh, yeah. uh, the Carolina, uh, no, yeah. Carolina Cardinals, and yeah. maybe a few other teams I forgot, like the Texans. If you if you're on the Texan bandwagon, you're saying the Texans have a shot. Then um, you know I got a bridge to
0: China I could sell you. Uh, Houston Texan fans should be listening to my podcast in the upcoming week. So I'm going to be talking about what prospects to be watching for the NFL draft next year.
1: Woo! We're not even into not even into training camp, and you're talking about what prospects to watch out for. For the oh yeah, you're full-blooded a killer right there, Jeff. I'm
0: not talking about it for my team for once, but just in general because there's going to be a lot of teams that just think that their team like, and, and it's not just the Texans. There's a few others that are that could be you're real
1: full-blooded killer there for your Texan fans. That was that was uh that was definitely a shot <laughs> across the bow there. I just yeah, feel uh, for my fans like, uh, out there, I'm going to tell you what's going to be in the upcoming draft. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> Is there a head coach that inherited a worse situation than David Culley? Um, I'm blanking right now, but uh, what's his name in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's true too. But at least I feel like he'll get another year. Culley could be they could literally be 0 and 16 bad, and he's going to get fired. I could see that for basically taking a job, you know. No, um it, uh,
1: you talk about let's jump right in nahasi yeah I, I can see him being fired even if let's just say I got a question for you, Jeff. would yeah. you be not mildly surprised would you be surprised if the Texans win seven games this year? seven and ten I'd be surprised if they win four games this year. All right, so seven let's let's put it let's put it between four to seven games. let's say the Texans win five games. And they showed promise. You think they're going to keep that coach? No. Someone's going to be jumping at it. Like, hey, I'm a much better coach than um, uh, what's his name right now? There in Houston. Why am I blinging on his name? Call him. Yeah. There you go. David Culley, Yeah. David Collie. Yeah. Um, they're going to hire him. He he's literally there, one and done deal. He he's there just uh, he's the the seat warmer. He literally is. If there's a um a Ryan Fitzpatrick of uh, head coaching jobs, it's him you know, the, you know, the, the guy that just is, you know, take all the sacks I all did
0: the time. I uh, with the Sabres when they had the one, I forgot the coach's name when they were quote unquote tanking for Jack Eichel and everybody knew like, no matter how good or bad he did, he wasn't keeping his job. Like it was yeah. one of those, you are, you're set up to fail and Houston Texans know what they're doing. They're setting up. And am I saying they're intentionally tanking? No, because nobody wants to sign with them given all the circumstances and shit. But, it's like they're definitely blundering it up for, you know, they get all their picks back next year. So I definitely think this year they knew they were going to stink. They're kind of just full rebuild. They won four games last year with Deshaun Watson. That's why I'd be stunned if they win four games without him.
1: So. Uh, yeah, yeah, because if they didn't have him last year, they would have won one game. They would literally would have competed with the Jacksonville Jaguars
0: yep. for the number one pick. Makes you think, though, would they have better off losing <laughs> – at the time, they now they didn't know Watson was gonna hold out, but it's like Jesus. If, if they knew this now, what they knew back then, they might have just benched him and just said, Oh yeah, he's you know, he doesn't it want to play for us. in
1: an interesting position. I was saying exactly what you said. Who's gonna be in the hot seat? All right, Jeff, you're the football god. This is your podcast. What would it take for David Cawley to keep his job? I have my opinion, I'll let you. For for to to his job. job. Oh, because we just both agreed. Doesn't matter if he wins seven or less games, he's out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the team looked good. Like wow, they didn't have Deshaun Watson. Have they, they had Tyrod Taylor, and they had a bunch of poop on the field. Like I don't even know if they would beat Alabama or Clemson. That's how bad these teams are. And they won seven games. That's that's unbelievable. But David Culley would
0: still get fired. What would it take to keep David Culley there? I don't think it would have to do with wins and losses for David Culley to keep his job. What I think it would need is Deshaun Watson. What I mean by that is it would take Deshaun Watson coming back saying, if you keep David Culley, I'm back. That's what it would take, in my opinion, to keep David Culley, is if Deshaun Watson intervened. If they do go – so for Culley, there's still motivation to win because if Watson does sit out – and Cully wins six or seven games. Watson, I'm not saying he would come back. He wouldn't, but he might be like, well, you know, hey, we got our picks back. You know, we got a top three pick or a top uh, ten pick. I mean, like, yeah, I might come back. Only bad.
1: Days. He won seven games with, uh, yeah, or he won five yeah, that's games. What with. Take.
0: That's and that's like a point one because I think Watson's done no matter what they do too. So I, but that that's my opinion of what it would take to keep Cully. It would take Watson literally saying that.
1: That's a really, really good take. I didn't even put it that way. I, I, I went the old standard route. The uh route that if I asked you, you know, wins and losses. Um
0: I think it would have to be a playoff push, which would be near impossible. Major league, you're gonna do in the major league reenaction there. When yep. they're like, We gotta win the whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Um, I don't think they have to win the whole thing, but they have to make
1: the playoffs. Yeah. And- and do it um it would make him on fireball basically sneaking in like, you know okay they beat the crap all the crappy teams and you know uh, the 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 way the cookie crumbled you know someone's got to take that seventh seed uh might be the texans you know land for the slaughter you know type pick you know when we get to the ncaa football tournament you know who's that number four
0: seed oh yeah
1: land <laughs> for the slaughter you know because
0: be uh, such bad press. That's a good take because it would be such bad press for them because assuming Watson will never play for them again, right? Yeah, if they make the playoffs, Cully becomes unfireable because they they would get so and much he bad makes press. The backdoor slide. He beats all the crappy teams. He gets the crud kicked out of them. Like they lose
1: like fifty-two to seven to the Buffalo Bills, or they lose fifty-two to. Seven to the uh, uh Kansas City Chiefs or whoever else it who might be in the AFC, they're just real down to the okay in the division. They lose, you know, 35 to 4 against the Tennessee Titans. But they nice. still make a backdoor slide because they sweep the Texans or they sweep the Jaguars, you know, they 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 split with the Colts, you know, they they sweep the NFC East, or whoever the hell they play, the NFC East this year or whatever, they sweep, you know. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking
0: at a backdoor uh, walk-in at 7 and 10. I think they would still, yeah, they, they would keep him because in that circumstance. backdoor yeah. it, it would be such a bad negative press on them if they let him go because given the fact of what they just went through with Watson, if they fire an African-American coach after he makes a playoff with that roster, they would be literally crucified by the media. Ooh. Literally crucified. Ooh. That's a good take. I didn't even think about that. Is that. supposedly why Watson won't ever play for him again, and they do have a good old boys club. I know the whole NFL kind of does, but it would really come to light. You know what I mean? Like, everyone would be like, oh, dear Jesus, if they fired him after he makes a playoff push without Watson, assumedly. You know what I mean? Everyone would be like, you're going to really get rid of him? Yeah, good point. That's a really good point. So I think they would almost be forced to bring him back.
1: You're gonna make but me gonna change my
0: answer. I'll have to do the same thing. If there's even a backdoor, because I was
1: saying they had to be like ten and seven, and and you know, not Super Bowl caliber, but like you know, a very strong team. But if they just make the playoffs, like you said, and wait, wait, you're gonna fire this guy when when he had a poo-poo team, you know, the uh, you know, uh, you know, he basically had the um, you know Northern Texas State University team. And uh, and you know he, he you know he went to the playoffs with a lawnmower, not a Lamborghini like the Bills and the, uh, the Kansas State Chiefs. And you're gonna you're gonna fire him when you know when you got all these draft picks and all his talent and who knows with
0: uh, Watson. Yeah, no, I think so. I think Collie could be. I think we both are in agreement though. He's gonna be a one and done coach. He's unfortunately on the hot seat before he even plays a game or coaches a game. I mean. Can I ask- actually, we can go back and forth on it. We don't have to go through our top five, but we could go like I pick one, you pick one, kind of like they do okay. on PF. You know what I mean? Can like- I ask you
1: one more question about David Colley. Yeah. All right. Um. You one more scenario. I just want to you know explore all of this because it's just so fascinating. Plus, your answers have been like dead on, especially for your podcast. Um. It's just been so intriguing. Let's say they they go ten and seven, but they're the team that's. Out looking in, kind of like the Dolphins were last year. I, I'm sorry to bring that up. Uh, you're still okay with canning him? Would it be okay to can him too? You know, it, it, as a as an owner, or a, when you look at the tape, uh, the, the would you want to fire him? And then I public opinion, would <laughs> you want to fire him being an African American, and you have to go down, you know, through that gauntlet again? You know, hey, you guys
0: are racist and all that other stuff. I personally wouldn't want to can him, but I think the Texans would. I think it's still- Or 10 and seven. I think if they miss the playoffs, I think they have no, like you were, it gets back to what you were saying. I think they have no intention. I think they're just leading a lamb to the slaughter. I think they're basically holding down the fork because then next year they have all their picks back. They have cap space. They have, you know what I mean? Presumably they'll trade Watson for a, a ransom, you know, yeah. so I think they're just, and they're going to get a young coach. They want They're picking and choosing to, you know, Mm-hmm. I just feel like poor David Culley's the lamb to the slaughter this year. I think they're just basically, you know, and then next year they'll have two or three first in the same round because of what they'll get for Watson. They'll have a player. They'll have a, even if they have a good team, they'll have a feisty team. Like, I think they're going to go after somebody else. I think Culley's literally there to be, you know. Yeah. Because they need somebody there. Yep. I mean, but. That's a good point, though. But yeah, I personally wouldn't get rid of him if he went 10 and 7 with that roster. But I think the Texans still will if they don't make the playoffs because that's the excuse. I don't think they have any intention of keeping him unless they're forced to. Yeah. But so I figured we'd start with coaches on the hot seat um, that we could go back. You could pick some dark horses if you want to throw in there. You could pick some obvious ones. Um, there were some people who commented on the post. I had some really good ones. There was a couple I forgot about, like, oh, no, like, duh. But we can start uh, with my favorite, my, not my favorite, Jesus. I don't wish this upon anybody. But I think the coach, in my opinion, on the number one, like, pick per se, hot seat, in my personal opinion, I think is Cliff Kingsbury. Ooh. Cardinals. He was blowing around the top three in my head. Just because, and I think you can comment, you can touch base on it as well, because I know you have some good thoughts on uh, the Cardinals. I just feel like they're the team that nobody, let's be honest, when he was first hired, people didn't think he was qualified. Cliff Kingsbury, because he didn't necessarily light it up at Texas uh, Tech. Yes, he did. He had Patrick Mahomes, but he still didn't win when he had Patrick Mahomes. I understand it's developmental league and yada, yada, yada. But usually college coaches do well and fail in the NFL. He was a eh, college coach. He was an okay offensive mind, but. Nothing that would make you think he could be a head coach, or at least he should be an offensive coordinator first. and earn it. He wasn't even an offensive coordinator in the league. He was just straight up, you know, former college quarterback, former college coach, head coach in the Cardinals. And he's the one negative factor, especially with Kyler Murray. Yeah, people could say if he's overrated or underrated. I think he's a top 10 or a top 12 quarterback in this league. Um, I think the talent's there. I think, you know, but it's just – Can it come together? And I think if he does bad, and I feel bad for him in a way because the NFC West is so competitive because there's so many teams like the Rams pushing all their chips in. Yeah, they're under immense pressure. So even if he doesn't live up to it, it won't might not necessarily be his fault because there's so many good teams in that division, especially with San Francisco getting healthy and the Seahawks still there. But I think if they go another seven and you know a seven and ten, eight and you know eight and nine, like mediocre five hundred range, I think he's gone. I think the GM's gone too. And you know what I would do, Paul? If you remember, this is the GM that uh, said, and you're going to get this reference in Joker for anybody listening. If I'm the owner, you know what i do if they finish with a bad record or a mediocre record? When they say, what's the status on the GM? I said, yeah, he's our GM for now. Of- <laughs> I hate it he set the precedent that ruined the nfl now of oh you can move off a quarterback after half a year he's the one that set that precedent because he fired the coach after a season and he got rid of josh rosen drafted kyler murray hired a new coach so that's what i would do to him as payback if i was an owner i'd be like yeah he's our gm for now huh. freaking likes it wow yeah but no, yeah. um, you can't just, I'm sorry, I was fired up on that one because now every time a quarterback struggles, you hear on the news like not just with Tua, but even with Allen. All, oh, should they move off? It's because the Cardinals set that precedent. Oh yeah, because
1: it, I call it hyperinflation. Uh, to take a side note here: um, there's so many data points, and 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 so many fans have gotten so much into it. You know, on Twitter and Facebook and uh, and and. Uh, um, you know, all the data points that ESPN releases, you know, and all, all these ridiculous stats, you know, you see out there and yeah. And, you know, like, Oh my God, look at Josh Allen Can't throw tw- past 25 yards to his left. He is four and 22. And, you know, but like you gotta see the forest between the trees. Sometimes you, you can't rely on stats like that, but yeah, some fans need to take a break because, um, uh, you can – any of your podcast listeners, ask Jeff when they drafted Josh Allen and how many Bills fans at Tully's were really
0: upset, and I was the only always, one beaming. All the They're beaming. Even after the first year, how many Bills fans hated him? Yeah. They're not saying they wanted to move off him because Bills fans understood they had to de- – they got to understand that when kids are this young, they do need developing. And, yes, Josh Rosen ended up being a bust. One, he wasn't handed a good situation. Two, but – I think most players you still have to give, and this isn't just quarterback related. This isn't me just saying quarterbacks are different. I just feel like in general, moving off any player after one year is stupid. I don't care if you're a quarterback, offensive tackle, kicker. You know, I don't care what it is. I don't like moving off a kid who's like 21, 22 years old after one year.
1: No, no, definitely not. Not in this hard league where everything and then, like I said, see the force between the trees. What's the first word? Win, loss, or draw. First words out of the coach's mouth, even when they win. You know, it was a great battle today. You know you know how always uh, uh, Sean McDermott always preaches. You know how hard it is to win in the NFL.
0: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true.
1: And the way you win is you build up those small victories. You know, you get that completion. Then you get another completion. Then you get the uh, – the the touchdown and you eliminate the mistakes you don't take the sacks you don't take the interceptions you don't make the the bad reads and the and the missed throws that turns into wins and then those wins add up and then you make the playoffs and then you know it just keeps building on itself but yeah you can't move on past a kid like that that fast so i think uh kyle murray will stay there kingsbury will be gone yeah, they have another season where they, they poo-pooed down the stretch. To, to steal the words of Jeff, uh, Jeff Jackson here, they poo-pooed down the stretch like they did last season. Their Super Bowl, the thing was, this is where the Cliff Kingsbury comes in as head coach. This is where you need to come in. They, I said it. They won their Super Bowl when they beat the Bills last year on a Hail Mary, they call it. The Hail Mary. It was all downhill. They were so hyped after that. Yep. And um, and the, both teams went in the opposite directions. Oh my god! I can't believe the Bills lost. All, it was a last second. You know, give me that play uh, nine more times, and the Bills would stop it all nine times. Yep. You know, statistically speaking, when you throw a ball into not even double coverage, triple coverage, sometimes you get it. That's not that one in the million. I mean, someone's got to win the lottery. Not everyone,
0: so it no, was just – Different directions because the Bills, obviously the rest is history for them, and then the Cardinals, they lost to the Seahawks. They lost to the Rams. Like, it was all downhill from there. It wasn't even just losses. They lost bad. Oh, yeah, they got records left <laughs> in a
1: That defense needs to step up. That's where if you're going to go X's and O's, um, I think uh, that, that might be where – like. You know, that's where you like. Hey, Kingsbury, you're a great offensive coordinator. I can see him um, not being a head coach in the NFL. I can see him being an offensive coordinator.
0: Same. I think I just,
1: he would be the. I think he's going to be the next. Um, uh, what's okay. his name? The head coach from Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians. Bruce really? Arians, the head coach of the uh, Cardinals. They had great offensive stats. Couldn't
0: stop it. Ruth Arians was still better though, because at least Arians one has a ring. I know it's with now he uh, has a ring. he has two rings. Well, one with Pittsburgh as an offensive coordinator, and then one with Tampa. But at least he was getting that team deep into the playoffs. Kingsbury hasn't even made it to the playoffs yet. He's been
1: because the uh, defense
0: can't stop diddly poopoo. Yep.
1: And they keep adding on that offense. So
0: Sorry. no, so who's a te- who's a coach that you like, Paul? To be or not like, but who do you think? Now's your chance to pick one. So be, we covered Kingsbury, we covered uh, David Cully too. So, Vangio, that was somebody said in the comment section too. Vangio was a good one, that was one I completely Vangio,
1: forgot because he's the opposite. He's a defense coordinator, he should be a yep. defense coordinator, and he has the exact same problem as Kingsbury when the covet thing got getting out of hand. Um, he made comments about, um, you know, all this protocol is stupid and the mask is so difficult. I don't like wearing the mask on the sideline. And then at one point, he got hit so hard. I think the NFL kind of whacked him a little bit because he was kind of – They handed
0: uh, him a lot. Political
1: <laughs> year, especially on a sports podcast, you know, to each zone. But I think that, you know, the NFL kind of sent a message because I definitely know he had comments out there about how you hate wearing the mask, especially on the sidelines. Well, yeah. And, that, and then yeah. when he lost all his quarterbacks – that's a coaching move. You got to just tell, you know, you, you know, the Buffalo Bills did it. You, they had, you know, uh, Jake Fromm. You're, you're not in the room. room. And Vangio didn't do that. You lost all his quarterbacks, and he gonna start a receiver
0: that played quarterback in high school. Nope. Yep. No, and that's what he – you're absolutely right, and that's what most teams did. They had a third-string quarterback that basically kept off the field at all times a like, Yeah, no, you're not seeing anybody else. Sorry, you're our emergency break glass in case of emergency plan. At least you are a quarterback, yeah. And at least you are a quarterback, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was a painful game to watch. They had no chance in hell. Well, if you take away any team's top three quarterbacks and they have to play a running back, a quarterback, or a wide receiver, you're screwed. You're done. Like you're not winning that game. Yeah, um, yeah. I watched. Yeah, no, I
1: right, but but a not a movie you wanted to watch. Yeah, I only watch that game because I'm like, I really want to see this. <laughs> And, you know, but then when you start thinking about it and you actually look at the stat lines, you're like, man, that game really sucked to watch. Well, yeah, you idiot. You had a receiver, a quarterback.
0: (laughs) I'm convinced 100%. That's why the Broncos went with the draft decisions they made and everyone was mad they didn't take Justin Fields. And I agree. I think they should have gone quarterback. But they're on the hot seat. They don't have time to develop a rookie they that's why i think fan joe did what he did he needed a he needed a spark now now granted he went defensive help but he's he's hitching himself to drew lock in this offense because defensively the broncos have been fine oh, uh isn't teddy
1: bridgewater there
0: uh yes they did get bridgewater too that's a good point i didn't even uh i forgot about that yeah they have teddy bridgewater they traded for him
1: yep and um uh, yeah because i think teddy's an upgrade um because yeah, I know they were in the sweepstakes for her. I knew they were in the sweepstakes for everybody else. And the only one they could get was Teddy Bridgewater. So I knew they were inquiring about Deshaun Watson. They were inquiring about Mitch Jabinski. They inquired about uh uh, uh Wilson there. Um they were inquir- they, they were inquiring about everybody. Uh, I know they were inquiring about Carson Wentz. Um, if any of those are true or not, I'll leave that up to your podcast listeners. But yeah, there that's what they're pulling.
0: Yeah, and I, I know they're the favorites right now. If they were to try to make a move for Rodgers, it would be them. Yes,
1: but, uh, yeah, I forgot about
0: that, too. Yeah, they, they want Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Yeah. So, I think that's a good break point because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some more coaches and stuff. So, I figured we'd at least try to get one each in before the break. So, when we come back, we can go a little bit more on Fangio, and then we'll go to some other coaches. Okay. you uh, well. Talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. And I just couldn't help myself there. I had to do that, to do that of the late great Jim Mora.
1: There
0: you go. Just for you, you, Paul. <laughs> yep. Uh, for since we're the reason we have that intro is obviously for those of you just tuning in. It is the NFL coaches on the hot seat. We already talked about David Cully with the one year wonder. And then we also talked about uh Cliff Kingsbury. You had a good one, Paul at Vic. Fangio. I think Fangio, you mentioned uh Cliff Kingsbury, and I think you brought up a good point. He's kind of the opposite of Cliff Kingsbury. They're the same person but different sides of the coin. And I think that's their fault. Is their defense, they're like so one-sided, they don't have balance, which as a coach, you need to have balance, or at least, you know, somewhat resemblance of it. And I'm hoping the offense develops to the Broncos because they spent so much draft capital, not this year, but the prior year. And I think with the Broncos. Their Super Bowl, similar to the Cardinals, was against the Dolphins. They beat Miami. Yeah. They're riding high. And then they got hit with the COVID bug the following week. And like you said, then, then in my opinion, it was like all downhill from there. Yep. Not saying they were on the Super Bowl path, but they were a feisty team. You know, they were competing up and down. They beat Miami. Basically knocked Miami out of the playoffs because Miami did not make the playoffs that year. That game cost Miami the playoffs. Was Tua's worst game besides the Bills game; those were his two worst performances of the year. Was Buffalo and Denver, and I think after that it was just all downhill.
1: Yeah, barring any of the trades in the draft in the Dolphins because they had the Texans' first pick, I think the Broncos were the best team that was picking in the top ten, like true top picking in the top ten. I have the Broncos is a very competitive team. I don't have them as a playoff team. I don't have them as you know. But I have them as my one of my spoiler teams. You know, if they're going to pick anybody off, uh, you know, watch
0: out for the Broncos. Don't sleep on the Broncos. Yep. And they had a lot of my uh, sleeper draft players. Oh, not sleeper draft, but all my fan favorites. Those, and I'm still a little butthurt about it, and Paul knows already what happened on draft night. The Bastards traded up one pick in front of Miami to take my running back, Javante Williams. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, they also took my one of my favorite offensive linemen in the draft, Quinn Miners. Yep, in the third round, and then they took in the first round. I didn't think Miami was going to take him, I didn't want him in the first round, but just to tie to Dolphins legends, they took Patrick Sertan, the uh, son of uh, Pro Bowl corner from Miami, Pat Sertan. Yeah, can I make
1: one more comment about Kingsbury and yeah, uh. You know what the interesting thing is? You you took Kingsbury. I took Vangio. And the one thing agree, – agree with me or disagree with me? I'd like to know what you think. One's defensive-minded. One's, one's uh, offensive-minded. But they both can't control the locker room. That's the thing that's really striking to me is, like we said, when they had their quote-unquote Super Bowl game, the one against the Bills for the Cardinals and one against the Dolphins uh, with the Broncos, and then everything just kind of fell apart. You could just see it. You could just see, like the coach couldn't steer the team. I, I don't, you know, for your fair weather uh, football fans, it's kind of hard to explain. But the diehards, at least for me, I'm pretty sure Jeff, you might feel the same way. You just see it. The this the 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 hot air just left the room. That 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 jolt, that energy, whatever you want
0: to call it, the mojo, the um, the magic, the you know. The, well, they're both. The, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think what it is is slightly different. I agree with your overall premise, by the way. I do think they're both um, the Cardinals problem is they can't handle stuff. What adversity well ask Kyler Murray on that one when he played the Dolphins and I'm not just saying Miami, but in general how uh, they imploded the Denver Broncos are a team that like you said, they're feisty and they pull upsets but they're also capable of imploding like they need the front run. They need to get off and have that. They lean so heavily on defense like to That's make, where, you
1: know, in. where you have a really good coach. To like, remember, guys, this is our focus. This is what we need to do. Who cares? Next man up mentality. Trust the process. Yeah. I know I'm quoting a lot of uh, Sean McDermott stuff, but I mean, you, you got to know a few of those of the Dolphins say, you know, you know, thins up or whatever, you know, you, you know, you got to grind, whatever it is. Blood from the stone.
0: So. I think I have a good one or, uh, the next coach I like to touch on coming back to mine that I think is on the hot seat. There's like two really good ones. I'm like, you could literally flip a coin between the two. I really think this is like the do or die year for him. I do think, um, Oh my God, it's really tough. I'm going to literally flip a coin. Um, One, I honestly think, because he was on the hot seat last year before they implode, like, uh, before injuries hit, I think Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat this year.
1: Ooh, okay, okay.
0: He's a good coach. I don't think he'd be on the market long, to be honest with you. He's one of those coaches where I think if he got fired at the end of this year, he'd be on another NFL team the next year. Like, but he might just need a change of scenery, but. And he has had the difficulty of playing in the NFC North with Rodgers. But that team has had the talent. I mean, what? They were my Super Bowl pick, shamefully, last year for the freaking NFC. And then they didn't even make the playoffs. Like, But Zimmer, I think, is a good coach overall. But that team might just need a change. But I think he is in the hot seat because, you know, and whether it's his fault or not, because I know last year they got hit with the injury bug. But they do have, I know Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, but they do have, you know, outstanding rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. They do have Dalvin Cook at running back. They do have a not as good as it was, but still okay defense. I think there's still a balance. Yeah. And if the Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers, there's no excuse this year for them. The Lions are rebuilding like we just discussed. This is their chance. The Bears might have to start a rookie quarterback. I know they have Andy Dalton, but I'm not expecting the Bears to be, like, you know, this 13-3 and three team. This is the year for the Vikings to kick it in. I do not disagree with that. Not one bit. Making a good point, man. Yeah, there we go. That, I was torn between two, and I didn't want to say the other one just in case it was yours. <laughs> yes,
1: how about I say mine, and you get one more. It doesn't matter how it works. Yeah,
0: like I said, You're I don't want to add one to like, it. There was two good. I didn't one more. There's two I would have flipped a coin between, but I didn't want to say it just in case it's yours. So that's why I was like.
1: Well, we'll see if I say it. Because um, I'm going to go with a guy I've been saying. Uh, if you need to see the text messages, ask Jeff. Hi, <laughs> listeners. I think judging I, by what they are Say again. it again. I'm going to ride this horse until it dies. I'm going to ride to die here on this one. Mike McCarthy. Yeah, for the one. <laughs> freaking reason he you said about the damn Vikings. Yeah, the only reason why he kept his fucking job—excuse my uh, language there—go uh, for, for it. People,
0: no, no, no. This is a, we're, we're we're explicit. We're not, you know, PG. We're good. <laughs> is because Dak so Prescott. I'm if so Dak Prescott
1: played the whole year and they had the same similar results, he would have been gone. But the only reason why he kept his job is because Dak Prescott went down with a, a leg injury, and he, you know he tore his ACL or broke his ankle or whatever. I forgot what it was exactly. That's the only reason why Mike McCarthy kept his job. But if you look at it, you really shouldn't have. Because this is the reason why I was ride or die. Because you look at some of those game season decisions where, you know, instead of going for it, they kicked a field goal. Instead of, you know, running one more play uh, on fourth down, they punted it. Um, You know, why'd you uh, uh, run on third and four instead of passing it, especially when you're lighting it up? Why would you put the extra pressure on your defense for going for it? Uh, like the Rams game, when they went for it on fourth down on their own side of the 50. Yep. Giving the Rams a very short field, and that was the difference of that game. They only lost the game by four points or three points, something like that. They didn't lose it by much. And because the Rams took the ball over, they went down the field and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They had a lot of games like that. And I don't care if Dak Brascott was healthy or injured. That's on the coach. The coach – and uh, it's all the same bugs that came up with the Packers. That's why Aaron Rodgers was just like, "I'm done with this guy." Yep. You know, you know the, the, the Almighty there up there in Green Bay chased him out of town. And you're like, you know, so I'm gonna ride that one. Uh, uh, one that's a really good one. That was my other.
0: One. I was torn between the be
1: I think he's a great mouse mouthpiece. Uh, like you said earlier, like you you, you know we're not having any uh, ill harbored uh, will towards any of these guys. I mean, these guys are trying to put bread on the table. You know, they want to win games. You know, you know. I'm pretty sure, you know, some of these guys are halfway decent dudes. Um, right. We're just, you know, it's a business decision. You know, at the end of the day, you know, hey, sorry, man. You know, friendships only get you so far. But then, you know, you got to produce. And I don't think he's producing. Um, he's a Nara guy. Um, the only one I want to exclude off this list is Mike Zimmer. I think he really can control his players. Yeah. Mike McCartney is a Nara one. And you hear the disciplinary work that he would do. Every time you lose a game, he would downgrade the hotel. So, you know, until you're staying in, you know, the Roche, the Roche Motel there. And you would think that would work. You know, I, I, I've heard stories where he's a hard disciplinarian, but you still see it on the field. He's another one that you just never saw it click. And that's where the head coach, that intangible, that intangible – you know, just the the, the, the mojo. I'm, I'm just going to call for the podcast, the mojo. He didn't have the mojo. He just couldn't will his players. And just because you had Deck Prescott, no one else was gone. Ezekiel is still there. The offensive line, for the most part, was still there. That defense was still there. They still had the receivers, the tight ends. You're really telling me you ride and die to say that for the fifth million time on, you know, was it really that much that, you know, holy cow, Deck Prescott?
0: There's two points that Mike McCarthy shouldn't have kept his job, in my opinion. The first one being, and uh, it's a quick summation of it, it might be, and I don't know what the stats will say because I don't have them in front of me, but my God, and I know you watched a lot of games too, Paul, that uh, might have been the most painful defense I've ever seen. It might be one of the worst defenses I've seen in terms of tackling, effort, that, that defense was an eyesore to watch. And
1: they have Dan Quinn, so the defensive guru, the uh, you know the the inventor of Legion of Boom and and all that other stuff. Um, so there's no excuse on that side. He
0: he should be able to turn the defense around. and yeah, from Nolan, yeah. I, then, okay. But the other reason, Paul, that I really when I saw it, I was like, this is he's not a coach, and it wasn't like I said. We just covered the defense, and you covered some great uh, blunders on the play calling. But the number one thing for me was when Andy Dalton took that shot. Right, And the players didn't even care. And he wasn't even fired up. It was just, uh eh, okay. And Andy Dalton was taken off the field. To put it in retrospect, I'm going to list two coaches. Against a rival, coach... too, against the uh, Washington football team. That's a huge rival. Yes. Rivalry. Perspective for you. There's two games that came to mind for me. And I know it's going to seem like homerism, but it's because I try to watch as many games as I can. But these coaches, put it in perspective, Paul, what happened in the Cincinnati-Bangle-Miami-Dolphin game when the dude ran into the uh the kick returner intentionally twice and lowered his helmet into him. Brian Flores is ready to punch out Zach Taylor. <laughs> he was yeah. on the field and the whole team was ready to like flip this dude on his head, right? And then I'll do you one better. The Bills, when uh what's his name, took a cheap shot, you know, Sean McDermott was they had to restrain him. He was like a psych he was getting ready to kill somebody. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that being a hothead means you're a good coach, but I'm like, I just saw no passion in that team. Zip. Nada. Yeah. You know, like you said, a division arrival pops your quarterback, you're going to get feistiness. I mean, even look at Pittsburgh as much as people don't like the Pittsburgh. Look how feisty they got. You know what I mean? I would say they play a little too crazy you sometimes. You have McCarthy
1: on the field. I, I kind of don't like that image. I think you need to be more restrained, but – when you're on the sideline, you know, hey, you know, you don't let another team do that to one of your own. Like you don't allow that, yeah. you know, you know, I, you know, I, I shouldn't even be over here saying anything. If I was that coach, you know, That's what I, I shouldn't even be over here saying anything. You, 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 that's enough motivation. You, you know, you go on that field and you, you rip someone's head off on the next play. Keep it legal, but I want you to send the message. You don't do this to a, one of ours. We are the Dallas Cowboys. We are the Dolphins. We are the Buffalo Bills. We are, you know, you know, North Texas State University. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> so, yeah. whatever you are, you, we are who we are. I don't care what the record says. I don't care if these guys are cleaning our clocks. You go out there and you send the message that – you know, that that stuff's not tolerated. You know, you want to bring the heat, we'll
0: bring the heat. And so, so yeah, you're, those you're are right. good ones. I think we got one each in the chamber, and there is a reason I'm going to lead transition this into another topic at the end. Um My last one I have, and I don't want to take anybody's, but my last one is Matt Nagy, head coach of the Bears.
1: Oh, that was my last one.
0: Oh, was it? <laughs> I, I, uh, I got one horse. So, okay, you're going to go crazy now. That's good. Uh, obviously, Matt Nagy, I don't have to say too much. He's been on the hot seat for the last few years now. He had a great rookie season, you know, as a head coach. But then ever since then, it's been downhill. People are going to say, was it quarterback Mitch Trubitsky not developing? You know, was it – everyone was knocking his play calling too, though. I remember hearing it wasn't just, you know, oh, well, the quarterback play got worse, which it did. But it was the play call got worse too. It was very conservative. It wasn't as innovative as his first year with the Bears. And now that he has Andy Dalton there and he has Justin Fields, it's going to hinder on Fields. That's why I think we're going to see Justin Fields play sooner rather than later, because that's his only chance of keeping his job, I think.
1: I think we make it to week three, and if they're, they're sucking win, Justin Fields will be in. Yes,
0: I think I agree 100%, but I think Nagy's been on the hot seat for a while. I don't think it's necessarily all on because, oh, well, this year they took a quarterback. I think, no, it's it's been brewing for a while and his only chance to save his job is Justin Fields in my opinion if he comes in there and develops
1: I think they were the the Denver Broncos from the late late early 2000s like 2008 2009 right before you know 2012 right before Peyton Manning got there or what was it 2012 yeah, 2011 former Jay Cutler years yeah they were good but not that great and then when they got Payne Manning, I think they're the same thing. I think that's the reason why they're keeping him is because they, they are literally one piece away. They have a decent receiver outside. They have a decent that's running back. back. That defense is lights out. Yep. But you can't expect a defense. You know, you're not going to win many games when your offense is only scoring three points and, you know, are uh, you going know, to you know 10 points. It's not golf. You know, low score wins. So, I think that's the reason why he's keeping his job. And he pushed all his chips to the center of the table there when he traded up to get uh, Justin Fields. Uh, um, I think he's the safest one so far I, we mentioned besides my dark horse pick. I'm going to say next uh, of all the coaches we've mentioned only because he can fall back on like, come on, guys, you, you, you can't. You got to give me more of one year. You know, uh, you know, I'm Nat, Matt Nagy. I'm the one that brought along. Uh, I think, yeah,
0: that's two of the group, too. That's why I think it's like we're getting more and more safer.
1: And only, the only way he gets fired is if he loses his defensive coordinator. Uh, what's his name? If he takes a head coaching job somewhere. Um, because, you know, because, like I said, that defense is, is, like, lights out. Like, they're literally just a few pieces away. They're oh. crucial pieces. I mean, that's the reason why they, you know. But they still made the playoffs last year, and like you said, and this and that. It just, yeah. Uh, but, I, I, you know, it, the wheels, for me, the wheels have to come off a lot harder than some of these other teams we've mentioned. My opinion. Yeah. So That's you want okay. I'm gonna put my dark horse answer in. Yeah, go for it. So going to do it. A little bit differently now. I want to know what you think because I'm going against the grain. Um, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, Mike Tomlin. The Pittsburgh Steelers, if any of your diehard football fans out there, they don't fire head coaches, they let them play it out. And um um and they keep their head coaches for a long time the end of the way that season ended and again for the fifth million time he couldn't control that locker room when he had um Juju McSuster making TikTok dancing things on the field you just come on man No, you, you do that when we win but like you know, you better have a really good reason. This better be your hype up video because I felt like it was more distraction. If, if the guy's going out there, but coach, this is what gets me, you know, motivated, you know, uh, you know, this is how I ball. This is fine. Do it. I would back him up. That's what I'd say on, on, on interviews. Like, why'd you let him do that? Why do you, you know, why does he go out there and, you know, that that's how he gets hyped. But I don't think so. I think those TikTok videos were, you know, as a way to be disgraceful. You know, it, it was a dig. It was, a, you know. A diva, um,
0: um, but um, if but they the because they, they did implode, they were what eleven and zero, and then they just basically then, they really were ten and zero, and
1: then they lost like their last five out of six, and they lost to some cruddy teams down the stretch. They lost to the Cincinnati or they yeah they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals down the stretch. Um, they um, I wouldn't say they got manhandled by the Buffalo Bills, but. When they had that pick six, uh, right? Because it was close. I think it was a tight game, it or more- the Bills going leading by like three points or something like that. Yeah. And then right before the halftime, they took that pick six back to for the touchdown, and then that's when the floodgates kind of opened up. Um, yeah. Um, can you see them? Could you see? I don't see him getting fired. I think they're going to give him more dignity. But could you see them like, hey? You won a Super Bowl. You did a lot of good stuff. You've been here for a long time. But – and then, he, you know, he reads the tea leaves and he, he moves. Okay, I get it. I'm going to step aside.
0: You, I, you, could it. I could see I could, especially with Ben Roethlisberger, probably on his last year. Like the last hurrah. And they got Najee Harris uh, to try to – you know, I don't know if it's going to make them any significantly better because I think this is an older team that's getting older by the day but i think this is their last hurrah. They got them a great running back. They're like, okay. A tough division. This is their all in in the tough division exactly with Baltimore in there and with, you know, all the teams have basically gotten better.
1: And Cincinnati is the the uh, the sniper there in the, in the group, you know. I don't I don't have them making the playoffs, but they can they not- better bring the heat because it's not, a, you know, that's definitely a trap game.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, the Browns are obviously one of the Super Bowl favorites besides the bills and chiefs. Um, yep. they're definitely in the top four of a lot of teams, if not top three. Um, so yeah, they play in a tough division. I agree with you. This is a, and that could happen if they, if they really poop their pants, I think Tomlin will be, I, I like you said, I think you made up a good point for people getting all riled up one good. I like riling people up, but two, it's like you said, I don't know if he would necessarily be fired, but I think he would just step away. He would say it would be a mutual parting. So, like you said, that tends to be the case with the Steelers. It would be like a mutual parting.
1: Yeah, I, but that, the only way I see him stepping aside is if they go like four and thirteen or whatever. Yeah, which they could if
0: Ben Roethlisberger goes down. They got to roll Dwayne Haskins out there. They might poop their pants completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. But. And then my other one again. He wouldn't get
0: fired, but I. Oh shit. Sorry, I just fell over. <laughs> well, he's getting too fired up. That was the ghost of Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Yeah, they're yeah. – they're, they're, uh...
1: <laughs> Yeah, I never had that. I was trying to push my uh, my rolling, my office chair out, and I put a rug in here. And I got caught in the rug, and I started going over. <laughs> that was I took over yeah. like uh...
0: – Coming at you.
1: Yeah, like a, a Redwood. An <laughs> almighty Redwood. Yeah, what's that old saying? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Oh, that definitely is true. It was just like a slow uh, – like the Titanic. It was just like a slow drift off to the side. I it was, was so slow. slow.
0: I'm still talking throughout the whole thing. If I hear a shit and a thud and then no talk, you call. All right. Well, we're going to – We're going to cut to <laughs> a commercial them. break. Uh, that makes a difficulty. please get the hospital visit if he's got <laughs>
1: – Well, I did screw up my chair here. How is that? How do I get this to no? Ah, uh, we'll figure it out.
0: So you got one more you said you have one more team.
1: Yeah, uh uh sorry about that, everybody. Uh Bill Belichick. As I can see that one being a math training rack, because have you seen any of the highlights from um uh from minicamp from uh, um Cam Newton there? Uh he could not hit a, the broad side of a barn.
0: Well, I think what would happen with Belichick is he would just retire, honestly. I think he would just retire. But it is a good pick because he does have a, a beef right now with the owner. Brady just won a Super Bowl. So I think if he pisses off the owner some more, I think it would – Robert Kraft, I think it would just be a mutual party, and I think they would just promote Josh McDaniels, I think. Or they would hire outside. You know what I mean? they might He might clean house completely, but I think – I think when Josh McDaniels denied the Colts and stayed with New England, he was promised something on the side. So I think they would be pushing Belichick out to get McDaniels' head coaching gig. So it would not surprise me if they pooped their pants, like you said. And they play in a hard division. The Bills are obviously top two Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, number one contender to the Chiefs. Um, The Dolphins are a feisty team, you know what I mean? Like 10-6, and you know, well, not with an extra game, like, you know, 10-7, and and 11-6. And then, you know, the Jets are awful, but they're going yeah. they were. It's hard to be worse than they were. So Yeah. I think they'll be better than they were. That's a, you know, still a tough division. I think the Patriots will be, you know, around that 500 mark in my opinion. I think they're going to be like 8 and 9, 9 and uh, 8, you know, I think they're going to hover around there. I totally agree. But we're going to take a quick break you want to, so you can fix your chair, and then we come back. There's one interesting part of the coaches we can have before we get out of here, and I want to get your take because as a Dolphins fan, it is a Dolphins topic, but I want it from an outsider's perspective because Dolphins' right. Twitter is lit on this. I'm talking like, woo, they are fired up. They are fuming. <laughs> I'm right. looking forward to hearing the news. What's going on? So uh, when we come back, we'll cover it, and it has to do with this article. Okay. Or we
1: thought they were. That's why we took the damn field. <laughs> they crowned her ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let
0: them off the hook. I had to do that one just for you, Paul. That's another one. Oh, one that's my favorite time rant ever. And just a side <laughs> your
1: listeners, I don't usually watch post game conferences <laughs> but from college. Or high school was it? I just remember I was on break and we watched a game. My dad and I, and the TV was still on, and we we're kind of talking all of a sudden they were like we we're gonna cut away to uh Leonard's press conference. He used to be the head coach of the the, the, the the Arizona Cardinals, and he walked up to the mic unprovoked, not even asked one question, uh, for any nope. listeners out there, and just went on that rant that you just heard. <laughs> and, my dad and I our jaws had to be picked up off the ground. We were looking at the TV, and we're like, what the hell is that? And that's my favorite rant, and I saw it live when it happened, and I still go with that one. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off
0: the hook. What the hell that means? but That was a meltdown against the Chicago Bears because they were up by, I think, like 20 points with Matt Leiner, the quarterback, and it was like his first start or second start. Yep. And, everyone, and they blew it. And this was against the Bears team that I don't know if they went to the Super Bowl that year or if they went, like, NFC champ. They were really good. It was the Rex Grossman-Wed uh, Bears. They were they really
1: good. The Super Bowl that year, because that's why I said. I think it was in high school. But the, uh, the are you going to say the ultimate stack? Because I think it's an NFL record still. No, go ahead. Yeah, uh, they did not score one offensive point. The, the Chicago Bears scored all their points on defense. I think they had, like, four turnovers, ran back for touchdowns. <laughs> I think they had like two interceptions and two fumbles, and they lost like 27 28 or 28 20, to 21 or something like that. Because that was the only reason why my dad and I were watching that game. Because it was just like, it, it was the, the, the Bears couldn't do no wrong in the second half. They were like, everything was just falling in their lap. The the ball was just right there. Like, hey, I'm in the end zone. Oh, look at that. I have a ball in my hands. Well, that's a weird wing to get in because I'm a defensive tackle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They were a feisty special teams team, too, with uh, Devin Hester and them. They always had a Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I think Devin Hester had also returned, like, something like that. Like, all I remember is it was, like, first time a team scored, you know, won a game and scored as many points as they did without scoring an offensive uh, 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 touchdown or offensive point. I think it was offensive points. So, I also remember Devin Hester ran a punt or a kickoff or punt and kickoff. Like, I know they, they, they scored a flurry of points. And none of it was due to the
0: offense. I remember it was like something ridiculous on defense and special teams. No, that was one of my favorite all-time rants, and it was the definition of a meltdown. And Paul did hit the nail on the head. It was an unprovoked – he was going to get asked it, but like Paul said, the rant you heard, he was not asked the question yet. He let off the interview with that. He was and, not
1: – Follow it up. He didn't answer a single question. He did that rant and then walked off. Uh, yep. That what he said no, for your listeners. That's the only thing in that press conference. No one asked a question, he said that and walked away, and that was it.
0: Correct. At least Jim Moore was asked when you hear playoffs, that's he was asked that at least. Where this one was just unprovoked, but like just completely, you could tell he was peeved. He walked out, he vented. This is why, Paul, you take a shot, or when they say you don't respond to an email right when you're pissed, like take a minute or two. This is the reason why. <laughs>
1: I think i done that
0: one. Oh my god! I can't remember the old head
1: coach, the first head coach of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he got asked, uh, "What do you think of your offenses? Uh, what do you think of the offensive execution?" And he goes, "I'm all for it."
0: All <laughs> oh, the creamsicle orange of the uh, box. Hey, it's a, it's been their redemption though. They did get the Super Bowl championship um, this past year, so good for them. Uh, but I think we covered a lot of the coaches, Paul, and I think this is a good time for the show. I was thinking we could go to some other topics. I'm like, eh, no, I like I like riding this coaching tree out uh, because obviously the Rodgers story isn't going to go away. We both know what's that situation there. Watson's isn't going to go away. This is going to be talked about all offseason. So there's no rush for us to really gauge our opinion. because It's,
1: it's hypersensitive right now. Um, I know you were telling me about the topics, but I was thinking about that. I mean, we got to the point where, oh, Rogers renewed his uh, club membership, his golf membership at, you know, that that prestigious golf club in Wisconsin. It clearly means he's coming back. Uh, are we really doing that? Are we really going through this guy's uh, credit card receipts now to, you know, try to read sure. the TV's here? Got married yeah.
0: to West Coast, uh, Cheyenne Woodley. I'm like, oh, my
1: God. Yeah, yeah, he's going to go to Hollywood. and He's going to do Jeopardy now, you know. Yep, it's-
0: Oh yeah. See,
1: See yeah, he's got it's basically let's boil it down down for your listeners four ways. He's going to play for the Packers. He's not going to play for the Packers. He's going to play for somebody else or, you know, he's going to be a Jeopardy host. and He's going to retire.
0: Retire. yep. And I think, like you said, and that's the button. If there's new information released and not what his credit card score is, or actually if there is a rumored trade, like an actual deal on the table.
1: Not we clickbait. We're Paul not here
0: to click about clickbait. Think it. you
1: know? Listen yeah. to Jeff's podcast for uh, you know what we might think would happen. Oh, I saw Aaron Rodgers. He tweeted out at two thirty in the morning, but that's not what the big deal is. He was tweeting from Los Angeles, California. Clearly, <laughs> he's not coming back to the
0: Packers. Oh my God! So if there's actual news developed, we will have Paul and Matt on here to talk about it and stuff. But until then. It's going to be a spinning story. There's no rush to talk about it, and to be honest, like Paul said. We
1: want tangible evidence, something oh, yeah. it from the horse's mouth.
0: Yes. I will be from, in Green Bay from, to play quarterback. Or from Aaron Rodgers' mouth, correct, one way or the other. But So I had a, a barn burner for you, Paul, because – and this was uh, three days ago. NFL coaches on the hot seat was posted by insider Jason Lackenfora. He, I believe I, he's obviously a CBS. I believe he was NFL Network before, but he's been around. Um, he posted coaches that might be on the hot scene in 2021. Similar to what we're talking about. And he gave his reasons. Right. and There's some pretty good candidates on the list, a lot of which we just covered. He said Matt Nagy, Mike McCarthy, Zach Taylor, the Bengals, Kingsbury, the Cardinals, Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer. He said Matt LaFleur. Which, to be honest, the first time I go, but a case could be made for it if Aaron Rodgers gets what he wants. You know what I mean? And Jordan Love does suck. Like, a case could be made for it, right? Because Rodgers hasn't been known to do it. Um, but the one interesting name, and hold on to your butt cheeks and people who know this, at the end he said Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins. And he said, and I'm just reading it straight from his excerpt, and once again you can find this article on Cbsports.com. If things go poorly in Miami and a regression in 2020 shouldn't shock anyone, I believe Flores would actually win a power struggle if it comes to that. Whether or not Tua becomes a thing or not will have ramification for those involved in selecting him. Constantly running out coaches and players who were just selected the previous year and put in critical positions in an unusual way of breeding chemistry and cohesion and creating that other outplayed C-word culture. There are a lot of rumblings around the industry about all not being well in Miami, which have pretty much been the norm for a few decades now. And people are already keeping a close eye down here. So before people, I get your word. I'm surprised the national media hasn't talked about this yet. This is CBS, CBS sports has talked about it. Probably their pick six podcasts and all that. Uh, I have not seen it on the herd yet. I have not seen it on undisputed or PA, uh pro football talk yet, but, it has been talked about by the Miami beat writers down here. Uh, YouTube, one of the YouTubers I follow, Reason on FinSide the NFL has talked about it, and he has a source in Miami in the building that has said what he is saying is true. That really Flores is on the hot seat. Well, that not necessarily Flores, but there is a power struggle brewing, and and I understand. Let me clarify like this, and Paul will tell you guys this as well. When it clears all. If Miami goes and makes the playoffs and Tua balls out and throws 30 touchdowns and eight interceptions or 10 interceptions, this is all going to go away. But unfortunately, there is right now rumored to be a power struggle between Brian Flores with Chris Greer against the owner, Stephen Ross.
1: Stephen wants
0: Tua and Flores doesn't? or right. Brian Flores is still, they said up in his feelings, having a hissy fit because he did not want Tua. But Chris Greer, the GM, did, and owner Stephen Ross did. And what happened was this past season played out. Brian Flores felt like Tua was stuffed down his throat. He wanted to move off. And then Chris Greer, who drafted Tua, so it wasn't just Stephen Ross saying draft Tua. The scouting department and GM wanted Tua over Herbert, right? Brian Flores did not. He felt like it was stuffed down his throat. And then after this season played out, Flores and Greer, Greer flipped his tune and went to the owner, Stephen Ross, and said, we want to do whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson. And supposedly, Ross signed off on a trade for him, saying, go ahead if you can get him. And then this news broke with Watson, and then after the news broke of all this stuff, which was Paul and I and sleazer have already talked about in the coach, Bobby says we've all talked about this already in detail. Go watch an earlier podcast or listen, if you want to know that. Um, when that news broke, Steven Ross pulled back and said, we can't have that player on our team. You will proceed with Tua. And Brian Flores supposedly is still butthurt about it and sulking in a corner. Oof. And that's why they're saying a power struggle in Miami that if Tua sucks, Flores will have, quote unquote, won the power struggle. But and before people say, is this a Jerry Jones-like thing going with Stephen Ross? And who knows, Paul, this may or may not be true, but there's a lot of sources saying this is what's happening. I agree with Stephen Ross here. You guys took a quarterback fifth overall, and you're willing to move off him after six games? Brian Flores, you don't always get what you want. You are a head coach. Your job is to coach the players. Brian Flores, you signed off, and don't give me this, you want a Herbert over to a fine. You know what? You don't always get what you want, number one. And okay, it's not like you're scout of the year. You're the one who made me spend big money on Shaq Lawson, who you traded after a year. You're the one who made me sign Kyle Van Ooy to $30 million, who's now I'm paying out of my pocketbook to play for the Patriots. After one year, you're the one who wanted the draft. Noah Igbenogany, who Buffalo burned him so bad. He still got skin marks on his ass cheeks. That was your signed off. So it's not like Brian Flores. Don't give me that shit of Brian Flores is the scout of the year. If this is true, Paul, I'm fired up about Flores. I understand he's a good coach. I think he's an outstanding coach, but Jesus Christ, man, let it go. He's got a little bit of Belichick in him of getting a little butthurt. When he doesn't get his way, like he's had a plenty of blunders and misses that are directly on his forehead. Yeah. And, And if I'm Steven Ross, I don't think Ross is being unreasonable. That's why I wanted your take. And you could say maybe Ross is. I'm like, if I'm Ross, I'm like, dude, I've given you draft picks, money, a blank checkbook. And when was the last time you heard Steven Ross even open his mouth in the last three years? I would say never. At least not in the last three years. The last time I heard Ross open his mouth is when they had Mike Tannenbaum. Um, sorry to drop this on you. For those knowing, Paul did not know about this. I just dropped. No, this. Did not. Oh, this is no, one big football. I'll I'll turn back, back here. I don't, uh, man.
1: I'm just conflicted. Yeah, that power struggle. Because the only thing I, I you can make an argument against Flores is, is I'm not. I don't know how much the owner's there every day at practice. I don't know how much the GM's there watching everything. But he, he, the only thing I can think of is you can make an argument saying um, uh, that did Flores put Tua in the best situation to win constantly? Did he mentor him? Did he give him you know all the the coach's notes? Did they, you know, do they really work over the playbook? Did they really structure a game plan to help Tua succeed but be specific against the Buffalo Bills, against the Jets, against the, you know, the Patriots, again, you know, against the Dallas Cowboys? What are they playing? Um, you know, uh, that's really hard to say. Like, okay, because what was the same? The article would say that uh, if, if they're, Flores would stay,
0: but the, the GM would be gone. And yeah. it was implied, yes. If Tua struggles, the GM would be tossed. Wow. wow. He's sure. I mean, the owner's writing the checks. If he likes that coach,
1: he's gonna keep that coach. If he likes the GM, he's gonna keep the GM. If, if he wants to just wash his hands, and everything he's gonna fire everybody. Um that's just a yeah, that's just a really hard one. That's a between a rock and a hard place. You know how do you choose that? And um, yeah, I, I get you. You know everyone's picking from the same draft pool. It's not the Dolphins draft. It's not. It's the NFL draft. It's not the Buffalo Bills draft. It's the NFL draft. You know, there's a lot of guys. I remember the Buffalo Bills. I remember there was an article a long time ago that they were going to pick Ben Roethlisberger. Guess who traded up one pick ahead of him with the Vikings? Yep. For Steelers. Look at that. I would have totally killed for that. That they they there's something to call it the drought now that they had when you know between the late 90s and the more recent years, you know 2017, 2019 there. Um, um yeah, you don't you don't always win that. And he, yeah, and you got a blank check and then you're, you you get these guys and then you trade them away or you just cut them, you let them walk. So yeah, that, that's just a really big monster ball. I, I don't really have much to say to that. We're going to have to get some more information. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, hey, that was a smart I'm, move to keep the coach, or that was a bad move to get rid of the quarterback and the GM, and and vice versa. Um, I mean, Jeff, your personal feelings, uh, it sounds like you kind of agreeing with the owner and the GM, that the, you think Brian Flores has kind of played his way, or
0: would you give him all that power? Do you want as a fan? I'm not saying as an owner if you if, or if you're the football gods. I'm not a fan of giving the head coach that much power in general because rarely does it work out for the head coach being a scout. I like, like what the Bills have, and I thought the Dolphins had this. I like having the head coach and GM in sync. Brandon Bean picks the players, and even the 49ers, everyone talked about, and myself included, I fell right into that bear trap right on my freaking nuts of Mac Jones, and I think Shanahan did like Mac Jones, but you know what? He eventually he got, you know, Trey Lance. And I think he's happy with them because he knows you don't want to always get what you want, and to, you know, okay, I'm going to develop the hell out of him and do my best to make this kid succeed. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. And I think that's why I'm siding with Steven Ross is right now. I think Miami is a great team. I don't think they're near the bills yet. And Bobby and I both touched on that. I don't think they're near the bills, but they are definitely an up and coming team. I think Flores has done a great job. But the reason I don't take Brian Flores aside, Paul, is he hasn't done shit yet still. He hasn't made the playoffs. Like, if he won a Super Bowl, then yeah, I'd give him more push. But, or if he made like the AFC Championship game, yeah, I'd probably give him more push. But it's like, I'm just going by the evidence. What has Brian Flores done to set Tua up for success? Chan Gailey hated him. Chan Gailey, when Tua was put into the game, he said, Well, he's not fit. Cool. He went to, play yeah, went to a struggle, they just threw fits in until yeah, and it was pulling them back. And this was a 60-17 matchup. And now, am I going to say Tua was great, outstanding? No, but he had flashes, he was a rookie. He had great games against the Chargers, Patriots, and uh, Cardinals, and then he had dumps against the Bills and uh, the Broncos. You know, the Raiders, he was 50 50, you know, and I understand they put they pulled him on that game too, but. That was like the eh game. I put that in the Rams game as his eh games. But he was a rookie. He was up and down. He was all over the place. And he spent a whole year off training. They they have an offense tailored around him now. I would I'm with Steven Ross. If I you know my thoughts, Paul. This isn't just in general against Brian Flores. I just believe in giving any kid more than a year. And in Tua's case, given coming off that hip injury, a dude to actually train an offseason instead of just rehabbing. Give him – let's give him a year of a full with. with a coaching staff that's designed around it, which it is, and with weapons, which they did. They went on a got of weapons, and let's see what this team can do. I'm just – that's all I'm saying. And I think winning cures all. I think this story will be a fart in the wind if Miami goes, you know, Eleven and six and makes the playoffs or twelve and five. You know what I mean. Like I think if, if Tua succeeds, this all goes away. Oh yeah, Tua struggles. I think Keeps your I, job. I, uh, I, help think Flores,
1: hey, I don't want
0: Tua.
1: I mean, name one coach that fired their quarterback. that's like you said, let's go with that, that state. You know, uh he threw for thirty touchdowns and eight and eight interceptions. But he's no Tom Brady. You know, no. What the hell you you know what the fuck are you doing, man? Keep him. You know, and then because, and then, you know, everyone's gonna be happy. Uh, Tua is gonna be the linchpin, everyone's gonna keep their job if Tua plays well.
0: I think this story leaked because I really fully believe because stories only leak when they want to leak, right? This story reeks to me of, and I do believe because, like I said, reason on the NFL, inside the NFL, he doesn't talk too much about this stuff unless he com- hears stuff. And he was hearing, and I should have listened to him in my mock draft, just like you were saying, too. Because he's the one who leaked that Waddle was going to be a Dolphin, and that's who they really wanted. I should have freaking listened to him, Um, and I should have listened to you, by the way, because you were calling that too a while out. But he said, like, I think this. I've never heard. I think this story leaked from Flores' camp because I think he's covering his ass. I think he's pissed about the Tua pick still, and I think he's covering his rumper to say, "Hey, Tua sucks. It isn't me." You know what I mean, and I don't like coaches that think that way. Nah, but now who knows? He might be saying, "Hey, eh, this is you know." I hope he puts he might put on his big boy pants now, but I think Ross is doing the right thing of nixing the trade because supposedly Flores and Greer are still calling Houston, saying when this shit's resolved, we're trading for Watson.
1: I don't have a problem with that though. I don't know.
0: I don't have a problem you with have, that. You do or don't. I don't have a problem with that. You get proven. No, to him. I think- Laura's phrased it that way of, hey, and Stephen Ross supposedly did sign off on a trade before this shit hit the fan of Watson because they're like, hey, we're close to a Super Bowl. Watson gives us the all in now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't blame and I think Ross has been a good owner by signing off. on. It. I think I don't blame Ross for saying, hey, and they said in this article stated that Ross's logic was, hey, we got to move on. We don't know what's going to happen with this now. We can't spend our whole, you know what I mean, like hemming and hawing here. We got to proceed with Tua. That's, we're in training camp now, you know, or just before training camp. Yeah,
1: otherwise you're going to be right back to rebuild mode instead of, you know, rebuild mode from, you know, part
0: one. You I you just ever, uh, watch this function because it's out problem. of fear. And I think the media is ripping into it too. And they smell blood in the water. Um, but winning cures all. Um, I think like in Paul's witness dysfunction on his side of the fence too with the Bills, I th- I said before, and I know Paul has felt the same way, guys, and this is about any sports team, not whether you're a Dolphins fan or a Bills fan, Steelers fan, you need to have – you just need to accept it, and I think good organizations make this point perfectly clear to their organization of you guys are linked. If you want to push each other under the bus, I'll get rid of both your asses. You're linked at the hip. And I think the Bills have done an outstanding job with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott of this. They work in tandem, they don't push each other under the bus. Paul's yeah. witness teams that do it firsthand and his staffs. Uh
1: yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's um and I think your podcasters might remember you don't fire one without the other. Like you you just don't. It's so weird because you're just giving them a stay of execution. You know, when they, when you have the high coach and then you bring in a new GM, and they're going to fight. They're not They're not going to get along. You know, you, you really are doing it the hip. Because I hate when teams do that move, you know, like, hey, we're going to fire the uh, head coach. You tell the GM that, and oh, okay, these are the guys I'm thinking, you know, okay, all right, well, that sucks. You know, it makes sense. We're two and, you know, a, and a, a million. You know, we, we haven't done Jack Diddley Poo the last couple of seasons. Okay. Um, you know, you know, as a GM, you know, I've talked to other GMs, I've talked to other head coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. You know, hey, this is my wish list, let's pursue these three guys. And the head coach goes, or the owner goes, no, fuck that I want that guy over there. Uh, what? I, so I got to this guy I've never talked to. Um, you know, you got to build a rapport. Think about it. Any of your podcasters out there. When you're in the office, you know, uh, or I'm in the hospital, uh, you know, uh, with the nurses and all that stuff, we, we all got to get along. It's really easy when you have that rapport. I mean, think about your coworkers at work, Jeff. It only works that way. When, when, when shit hits the fan, you know, it's really easy to blame the other guy. Yeah, I don't know this guy. You, you, we're not friends. I don't know him. You know, you know, we're not coworker friends. So, yeah. So, um I, I'm sorry, hopefully this kind of makes sense to the situation we're talking about. But um, this is what I've talked about in the past: is you, you can't, you know, it's just a state of execution for the head coach or the GM. Hey, we're gonna fire the GM because he's making bad draft picks and trades. Cool. Uh, you know, this is what you know. Uh, you know that's what happened in Buffalo. Um, uh, you know, and and the, the, hey, this is what I see of Brandon Bean. I I knew I knew Brandon Bean was at the top of the list. It had to be. For Sean McDermott and for the for the for the owners, they had to see that 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 insight. There's no way that that's the only reason why they, they they poached all the Carolina team.
0: Yep. So, but it worked out long term, like you said. You gotta have that symmetry. And my logic is this: when you said, "Would you give Brian Flores this power?" No, and I don't think any head coach should have this type of power. I think they should have a guy they like, and pick a GM, but let the GM, the coach, tells him what he wants. And the reason I feel this way, and I know you think this way too, Paul is. Because guys like Brandon Bean, and not just Brandon Bean, but his whole department and staff in scouting, they spend the next, like, right now, they're not watching training camp, these GMs. They're going to the college games and watching college games this next six months. They've been scouting these players for years. So they have a better understanding. And the coach will interview him still and reach the end, but that's why I think Bill Belichick has had such a eh, track record of drafting, and a lot of these head coaches that are GMs do, because they don't have time. You know, they have an ego number one, but two, they don't have time to scout these players. And it's I think the department is spending all year doing it. And if you have that symmetry, he'll be like, Oh yeah, a coach is gonna love this type of player. Like they know if you have good symmetry, they're gonna get you the players that you like as a coach. You just gotta, you know what I mean, trust them because they're gonna spend the next six months watching these kids.
1: Well work wife. uh, if that makes any sense out there for your listeners. It's like you and me. If we built a team together, you want that work. wife. you want that person that's going to uh, know one to put their foot down and tell you no and not be scared, but also know, you know, they have the same vision. You want that. Like Jeff, you and I, if if, if you're the head coach and the GM versus if you brought me along, how I many more bites of the apple we would get on a team? I think our team would be more successful. I know I would be I, if, I, if I had to play GM and head coach. And I think I know it all. And and a lot of those things overlap. Because as a head coach, you're seeing players, you know, for free agency. You know, you just played the team across the field. That guy beat the crap out of us. I want him on my team. Well, how do we get him on my team? I got to trade half my draft board away. Is that's that the part fun. of the But when you have GM there, you know, when they're and that's their job, they just crunch numbers, but they don't have the player skill. And that's when they go to the head coach, hey, where do you think our deficiencies were? Oh, you know, like the bills. Like to your podcast, people. It was the chicken or the egg? Was it the offensive line or the running backs? Clearly, after the draft, they thought it was the offensive line. They drafted yep. big dudes. Yep. So, and they did not take one running back in this draft, not yep. one. Yep. So they clearly think the running backs were good. But if you and I were building a team, I think we would we would compliment. You know, because you would argue with me. No, I. You know, Paul. You know, uh, you know, running backs are really good right now. Let's, let's, you know, whatever it may be, you know, Paul, let's get a quarterback. I disagree with you, Jeff. I think, you know, this is a once in a generational tight end. You know, I think this is a once in a generation, you know, uh, running back,
0: wide receiver, corner, safety. But you know, the end of the day, the point you're making too, and I get it for everyone listening is at the end of the day, we would come to a sound decision. And we move on.
1: There you go. It's the sound decision part. It sounds like what's going on in Miami. That's the issue. Whereas one guy's like, "I don't like your what direction you want to go in." Well, that's too bad. And then the one side is their. Everyone brings their papers, their notes, their homework, their, and we sit down. And Paul, who do you like? I like a quarterback. Well, why do you like a quarterback? Uh, this quarterback, right? You know, why do you like Justin Herbert? Why do you like Josh Allen, Tom Brady, whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, in free agency or the draft. And then you, you make that count, you know, and then you do the same thing. And then we come up, you know what? I didn't think about that way. That's a good
0: direction to go in. Yep. But so. oh, I I think this was a really good show and an episode because we're running up on the time here. And I think uh you hit a lot of good points, man. And like I said, I appreciate your insight on it and, Thanks to everyone for listening. For all the coaches on the hot seat, uh, we'll definitely have you back on, Paul, because we definitely got to talk about what the upcoming news. Because your team's like a Super Bowl favorite, I think that'll be an upcoming week's episode. I I'm hope get over that hump. I you know, hope I got a lot of information to talk about that. But, but thanks again, Paul, for coming on. Thanks again to everyone for staying uh, for staying tuned, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Yep, have a good night.